frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Five billion people will die from a deadly virus in 1997. The survivors will abandon the surface of the planet. Once again, the animals will rule the world. Excerpts from interview with clinically diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. April 12th, 1990, Baltimore County Hospital. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Brandon. I'm Lewis. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Lewis and I alternate picking a film for both of us to watch and discuss. This week... We are talking about 12 Monkeys from 1995, directed by Terry Gilliam and starring Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, and Brad Pitt. Uh, Since this is episode 95 of Film Church Radio, I decided to pick a film from 1995 that neither one of us had seen, and I knew nothing about 12 Monkeys other than the poster and... I've heard the name of it, and that's it, basically. (laughs) Didn't know anything. Um, Was pleasantly surprised. I've seen a few Terry Gilliam films. Lewis has seen none since first one craziness. That's correct. But we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. First, we want to say thank thank you to everybody who has been listening to the show. Um. And if this is your first episode, thanks for being here. Um, please share us with all your friends. Have them join this commune of film worshipers. And uh, tell them to go to filmchurchradio.com um, where they can find us on all the good podcast platforms. And we're also on social media at Film Church Radio. Um, before we discuss the film... We're going to do our hymn section slash trailer section before the feature sermon. Um, And basically, we're just going to talk about other movies we've been watching, singing the praises to or not, depending on uh, what we're talking about. (laughs) Uh, Singing the praises to or blaspheming, blaspheming, (laughs) is that a, can you use that as a verb? I've never heard it before, but that's not to say that you can't. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what you got for us, Lewis? What What have you been dabbling in? Yeah, um, not a lot <laughs> this week. Um, the, I mean, I watched The Lion in Winter from 1968, which okay, um, I haven't really been aware of um, recently. With moving back to England, been doing some reading. About like you know kings and queens of England and stuff, getting reacquainted with my past, not my past, my country's past, um, and you know was very interested in um, Henry the Second. He's a very interesting person, uh, and then found this film directed by Anthony Harvey called The Lion in Winter, starring Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn, okay. and a very young Anthony Hopkins and Timothy Dalton who played James Bond, um, and I was like, oh cool, I'm going to watch this. So um, I did. 
Um, it's very talky. It's mm. um, not a lot of action. There's a lot of people in rooms discussing um, linear um, heritage and like who will inherit the throne and yeah and like all that kind of stuff. Um, which I don't. It, it just gets rather boring after a while. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like okay. It's like um, those chapters in the Bible where it's just like, yeah. so and so begat so and so, and so and so begat so and so. Exactly, and it's there was a point where it was very. There's a scene in Friends, and it was kind of like that, where it's like, hey, he knows that we know, but he doesn't know that you know that I know that we know. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm losing like track of what's even happening in this film. There is a really good scene. Um, in like a bedroom where characters are hiding behind tapestries and kind of listening in while they're talking about each other. And that was done really well. And I enjoyed that. Um, but it just didn't work for me at all. I think the performances yeah. are really good, but it was very kind of like dull. Yeah. And just not inventive at all. Um, it was interesting because with it being 68, you know, obviously Hollywood was changing a little bit. So there's a lot more talk of like, I mean, there's talk of like homosexuality, there's, um, you know, extramarital affairs, all this kind of stuff going on, which I was like, this is interesting to see kind of like Catherine Hepburn, this um, stalwart of classic Hollywood calling yeah. all the characters bitches and stuff. And I was like, hmm, that's Ooh. cool. But yeah, I don't think it's one that I'll want to necessarily brush back and put in again it's yeah. there's like two and a bit hours as well it's very long and dull yeah which is a shame i mean it's well, got really like... good yeah it's got really good reviews on letterboxd yeah my average score of like four stars but just didn't well, work for me whoever you are out there if you love this movie send us a send us an audio clip we'll post yeah. it on the show and you can sing some praises tell me why i'm wrong yeah i'm sure i am but yeah, and the direction just seemed a bit paint by numbers. Yeah. Oh well, you can't win I them all. Hated the blocking. <laughs> <laughs> can't win them all. Um, and then carrying on the Disney 100 celebration, I took my daughter to see Cinderella from 1950 in the cinemas. Um, Cinderella is like quintessentially Disney. It's like the most perfect kind of princess movie that they've done i think yeah um my daughter really likes cinderella so she kind of went dressed as cinderella um and it was great we had a really good time who did it's it just, who who played cinderella they did they did a live action version not too long ago it was um oh geez i forgot her name i can picture her. she was in baby driver as well let me have a look um the main girl from baby driver I believe so. Like the love interest that works at the um, cafe. Is it Lily James? Lily James. It's Lily James. So she was Cinderella, which kind of worked. And that's not, that's probably the best of the live action remakes. Yeah. I would say Cinderella. It's not terrible. It's quite fun. Um, I never saw that one. I was just curious not to distract you. She's also in Mamma Mia too. She's really good yeah. in that. Yeah. Um, well, the animated one is great. And it's kind of the perfect blend of like the little woodland creatures being their own thing mm. and like the princess story, you know. Um, the animation yeah. is really clean and crisp and 
really well done, you know. Because um, the week before we'd gone to see Bambi and that was very cold. So it was yeah. nice to be like, ah, this is why Disney's so great. You know? Yeah. I do um, remember for some reason, I, I mean, I have seen the original Cinderella a lot, but yeah, I also watched like Cinderella 2 and 3, I think, mm. several times mm. oh, wow. as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just got them in like a $5 bin or something. Yeah. But I guess that's when those movies came out, were like mid-2000s. Yeah, would, yeah, I think so. It was so. like straight to DVD. Yeah, Cinderella 2 was 2002, and Cinderella yeah. 3 was 2007. Yeah. So. Okay, so I think I saw Cinderella 2 probably a lot more than Cinderella 3. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Little Mermaid 2 also. Mm. Yeah, I wonder Quality. if to try and... Yeah. Pick some of these out for Mimi to watch because we just stick to the the main ones. But I'm sure she would love like Cinderella two and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure you would hate it. Oh, I bet. Yeah, but, but um, yeah, I, I remember there's probably some stuff in Cinderella two that's funny, but I do remember quoting Little Mermaid two a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, it was funny. Is that is that about Ariel's daughter? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, about yeah. her daughter, and she's got like some penguin friends. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we put it on for Mimi to watch once, and I think she quite liked it. I can't quite remember, but yeah, yeah, I'll have to find Cinderella two for her. Nice. <laughs> Bring it back. That's right. To do it for the podcast. That's right. <laughs> Can you imagine know, episode yeah. one hundred Cinderella two? <laughs> could happen um, um, but yeah that was it I mean just kudos to the local cinema chains for showing the classic Disney films even though every time I go there's only about four other people in there um, but... <laughs> that's so weird it seems like there would be a lot more like I've been listening yeah. to Kevin Smith lately um, on his podcast and he's talking about like he just bought a movie theater, but he's in New Jersey. Yeah. He's not in yeah. uh, Nottingham, England, <laughs> and uh, he he's like like all the new movies. There's like nobody there, but then like they show an older movie and it like sells yeah. out. Yeah, but um, but he's also not showing Disney princess movies. I know. Yeah, I would have thought though, because especially with it being like recently over the summer holidays, that there would be quite a few people taking their kids to be like, okay, let's go and see, you know, this classic Disney film. And let's go and see this classic Disney film. But nobody's bothered. I hope it's not a sign that older movies work because older people like going to the movies and new yeah. and kids' movies don't work because kids have iPads. I think the other part to it is I don't think everyone, you know, people aren't as precious about the cinema as I am and like getting Mimi to kind of be in there and experience it the yeah. way, you know, in that sort of way. Um, and if you've got it on Disney plus, why would you pay five pound to go and watch the same movie? Yeah. You know, I feel like that's yeah. kind of part of it as well. Cause everything is available on Disney plus. So yeah. Yeah. Cause they're going to go and see super Mario. That's done really well. Well, yeah. Yeah. You're so, right. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. I think that Disney plus has got, it's too big. <laughs> People are just not bothered. Yeah. 
but oh well we're enjoying them so these are moments that like you know i'll remember so yeah i'm glad they keep going um what about you what have you been watching well i was looking at my letterbox and i it didn't look like I had anything new to talk about other than yeah. like the movies that uh, like the movie we're talking about today. But I scrolled back a few months and I think there's some movies here that I didn't talk about. Cool. Um, just cause we did like a few special episodes and yeah. so I didn't talk about some of the movies in between. I don't think I told you that I watched ghost world. <gasps> no, I don't think you did. When was that? Um, I watched it like July 1st. Wow. Um, yeah, I think I still, I had Criterion channel at the time. I'll pay for it every once in a while. Yeah. And try to watch as much as I can just for a month. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Ghost World was on there and Sarah and I watched it. And uh, yeah, I mean, for people who don't know, um, like one of our first episodes because we started the podcast in like well we really started getting the podcast going in like December of 2021 mm-hmm. and uh every January 1st we talk about like our favorite movies that we watched like new movies that we new to us that we watched throughout the year mm-hmm. like new mm-hmm. discoveries Ghost World I think was one for you yeah. in 2021 it was it like was. one of your top 5 um so obviously it's been on my list for a while, but I finally watched it, and uh, yeah, super good movie. Mm-hmm. Really I'm glad great. you liked it. Yeah, it's yeah. that kind of aimless, like you know, young adult. What do I do with my life? Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think resonates with me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, and such a, I don't know. It's weird, like these movies that come that came out and like this came out in 2001 you know it feels like yeah. it feels like that wasn't that long ago but it was well, yeah, you know 20 plus years ago yeah yeah that's crazy mm-hmm. um but yeah i really enjoyed that a lot uh i watched the quick and the dead the sam raimi movie um it was okay it's a it's yeah. a west it's a Sam Raimi western. It's very Sam Raimi e, yeah. As in like though his style and shots and stuff. Um, it is interesting because it's got a young Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I mean it's it's called The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. Sam Raimi is the creator of Evil Dead. Yeah. And I just I kind of based on the name, I was like. I hope this is a Western movie with zombies in it. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be cool. But it's not. um, And that cast is stacked. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Let's see. Sharon Stone, Gene Hagman, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Yeah. I mean, just that, you know, just those four. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, the, all the performances are really great. I, I will watch it again. I mean, I bought it on, yeah. on DVD and, uh, there is a lot of really great stuff in it. I think I will, it will improve for me over time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, just on the first watch, I was like, 
ah, this isn't exactly what I want, what I wanted, but that's the thing is once you get over your own, you know, your own stuff that you're putting on a movie, you can start enjoying things for what they are. I think that's why you got to watch movies more than once. Mm -hmm. But, um, but Leonardo DiCaprio as, uh, he basically is like a young Rick Dalton. Yeah. Like, it, like his his character, <laughs> the way he acts and stuff. Um, yeah. So that's pretty fun too. Mm-hmm. Also from 1995. Wow. This is our 95 episode, y'all. <laughs> um, I also watched uh, But I'm a Cheerleader, which I don't think I talked about. No. Um, this movie is from 1999, stars Natasha Lyonne, um, and it's like a coming of age LGBTQ movie. Okay. Um, really, really good. I think yeah. I also watched it on Criterion. Uh, yeah, just a lot of it. It's it's that same thing as like Ghost World. That same yeah. kind of like teenager, young adult trying to figure out their place in the world. And um, it's got a lot of really great comedy because uh, it, it's about. I mean, it's 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 also a bit of a tragedy, I guess, because it's like it, it's some heavy subjects. You know, it's about yeah. um, Natasha Leone's character and her, all of her family knows that she's lesbian, but she doesn't. And so her family like have this intervention with her and they're like, you're a lesbian. We're sending you to this lesbian camp to kind of like get you better. Yeah. Um. And she's like in denial or whatever. Um, but I would highly recommend. I awesome. give it four and a half stars. Yeah, Very I added good. it to my watch list. That's awesome. Um, I don't think I talked about Gator, did I? I don't think so. It doesn't sound... <laughs> it rings a bell. It's Burt a Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Burt Reynolds, dude. And uh, yeah, my father-in-law suggested this one night. It was on Tubi. And... Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. I didn't realize till after it was over uh, that it is the sequel to... <laughs> I'm taking my time saying this because I'm like, what is it the sequel to again? The other famous Burt Reynolds movie. Uh, uh, mm, 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 mm. Um... White Lightning? Yes. Oh, okay. Is that right? Or is White Lightning the like third one? I don't know. It's weird when people do this and yeah. you don't know anything about them. Um, it's like with the Fast and Furious movies. Like, If you don't know, how are you going to know which one to watch yeah. first? Anyway, it's... Uh, but I had no idea. It didn't matter. Like, you didn't need to see White Lightning. I haven't seen White Lightning. I'll probably go back and watch it at some point because I really enjoyed this. <laughs> um, Gator is the character's name, so that's why it's called that, and Burt Reynolds directed it. I think it might be his directorial debut, wow. but it's just a blast. It's just like a, a you know mid-70s yeah. action movie that is just like really fun. The stunts are all really good. Like the stunts... The stunts are pretty crazy. Like the, yeah. open, the whole opening sequence to the movie is him in the swamp on a 
on a boat just like yeah. outrunning the cops and you can tell everything is real and like yeah. the stunts they do are like insane yeah you're like how did someone not die making this movie i mean even the poster it looked, just looks like a james bond film yeah it's like the yeah, live and let die kind of thing and gator mccluskey <laughs> yeah that's his name the best yeah. name ever well yeah. it's a name that you can hang a series on which i'm sure that's what they were trying to do yeah um, exactly yeah I'm sure we'll talk about names <laughs> in the in the main part of the episode because I've got some problems. But Gator McCluskey is a great name. Yeah, Gator McCluskey. Yeah, man. Like, you just picture Burt Reynolds. That's the only person that could be called Gator McCluskey. Exactly. Yeah. No. Is um, there? Are there any alligators in it? No. Oh, that's a shame. I could have just read my own review here. I'd say that it's. I couldn't remember because I've watched this like a month and a half ago. But mm. yeah, um, sequel to White Lightning. It, I enjoyed the stunts and Burt's crazy over-the-top performance. That was the other thing. I haven't really seen him in a film with his where his acting is, is kind of... Um, Good. <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> but it was just like different, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. like him being a little bit weird. And yeah. like he gets really drunk in, in a part like he or he gets like drugged and then he's like trying to stay awake and he just starts <laughs> acting super like funny. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. He's my father in law said this was the first movie he ever saw at the movies. And now he wants to start a punk bed punk band called Gator McCluskey. It's a great name. Yeah. It's a really good name. I really hope that I didn't actually talk about these movies. You didn't. I haven't. It, none of them ring a bell. But okay. I mean, obviously, I've seen Ghost World. But you know, in terms of you seeing them, I'm yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, did we already have this conversation? We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it. I'm looking at everything. So awesome. Some recommends there for you. Some good stuff. But yeah, um, I think that's it on our hymns and now it's time for our feature presentation the future is history in the year 2035 convict james cole reluctantly volunteers to be sent back in time to discover the origin of a deadly virus that wiped out nearly all of the Earth's population and forced the survivors into underground communities. But when Cole is mistakenly sent to 1990 instead of 1996, he's arrested and locked up in a mental hospital. There he meets psychiatrist Dr. Catherine Rayleigh and patient Jeffrey Goines? <laughs> <laughs> is that his name? <laughs> It is. <laughs> the son of a famous virus expert who may be who may hold the key to the mysteries rogue the mysterious rogue group, the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, thought to be responsible for unleashing the killer disease. <laughs> it just reminded it just reminded me of Anchorman. With the I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> 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 uh, true 
Um, yeah. So <laughs> first, first yeah. time seeing this film. Uh, yeah. First Terry Gilliam movie for you. Correct. Um, did you know anything about this movie? And then what did you think? I knew nothing about this movie. What were your expectations going in? Um, I knew nothing. I didn't know until I looked at the cast list that Brad Pitt was in this movie. Um, obviously, I think I knew that Bruce Willis was in it, but I seemed to get this m- mixed up with The Fifth Element. I think mm. when I was like thinking about these movies, they seemed very similar in my head. Yeah. I think they came out similar times, and Bruce looks the same in kind of both. I mean, he looks the same from now on, really, but um, with his little bald head. Um, but I... I didn't really know what to expect. I, I I knew that Terry Gilliam was a director that likes to um, take the view on a bit of a trip. Yeah. And like really kind of, I don't know, like the imagination is part of his thing, you know, like as big as it can get. Yeah. Um. So I was looking forward to seeing it and I don't think, it didn't disappoint. I think that there's a lot, a lot in here that's really interesting. Um. And then, you know, the further you get into it, the more the questions that I had at the beginning that I was like, mm, I'm not sure if this is working, was kind of incorporated into the the story. Right. You know, so I I did think that it was really well crafted and really well made. Um, and then it, it, it just clicked at the end, kind of what it reminded me of. And then I think that I appreciated it a lot more. Mm. Um. Because this is your first time seeing it as well, but you've seen Gilliam films, so how did yeah. that... I mean, Time Bandits, you suggested... Because when the Criterion sale was on, I asked you and Zach, friend of the show, for just like a blind buy for me. Just choose mm-hmm. a Criterion for me to purchase, and you chose Time Bandits. Yeah. Um, yeah, Time Bandits is really great, um, but kind of for different reasons. It, yeah. it didn't... Um... <sighs> Like I, I've seen Time Bandits and I've seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. um, which I don't th- think. I mean, I haven't ever watched them like back to back, but I don't think there's a lot of crossover. Plus, he did like Monty Python. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be it. And like, so between Monty Python, Time Bandits, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, like it, you, you don't. Unless you're looking for it, I don't necessarily yeah. think there's like an easy thread to make there. Yeah. Um, but then this movie I think does kind of create a thread a little bit, especially in like the filmmaking style. I was like Okay, there's a lot of Dutch angles, a lot of low angles, yeah. a lot yeah. of weird angles. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think are both in Fear and Loathing and Time Bandits. Um, maybe less so in Time Bandits, but uh, but yeah, I mean it, it. It he's a director who I would like to kind of check out his whole filmography mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um. And then also when the film started, um. It says at the beginning that it's based on the. The short film, La Jetée. Yeah, the I think it's from like 1962 French yeah. New Wave film, um, which I have seen. Um, I'd kind of forgotten about it, but I watched it um, 
and I think in, I think in my French New Wave class that I took for film school. Yeah. Um, so I kind of knew what to expect a little bit yeah. after I saw that. I was like, like things were coming back to me. I was like, okay, so this is probably where it's going. This is what's yeah. happening. Um, didn't take away from the movie at all because it's a really great movie. Very intriguing yeah. and entertaining throughout the whole thing. I had a blast yeah. with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like, I don't think it tops fear and loathing necessarily. I think that's mm. probably in my mind, his best film. Yeah. Um, but it's also like a cult classic and, just to, I mean, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is just absolutely insane. I know. Yeah, I think I tried to watch Fear and Loathing after a night out when I was at university, and it made me feel sick because the camera, you know, it's always moving. It's kind of big, distorted close-ups. So I only watched about 20 minutes, and I was like, okay, I need to turn this off because I'm going to be like, <laughs> the room is already spinning without this. Film. Yeah, that, that happened to me the first time I watched it, too, because I think I was, I was also on Substances. And it's yeah. like, it's not a movie to watch. No, on substances. It's like it. It'll. It'll. It's a movie that is that will make you feel like you're on substances without yeah. any. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah, um, it, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously Johnny Depp is incredible in that film. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, the thing as this movie went on, Twelve Monkeys. Like the thing that stood out to me was just Bruce Willis's performance. Mm, interesting. I was okay. like, you know, because like obviously he's a good actor. Yeah. You know, and like there's a reason he's a movie star. Um, but when I think of him in my mind, he's he's like more of a movie star. Yeah. Than an actor. Yeah. Just when when I, you know, mm-hmm. when I hear the name Bruce Willis. Yeah. I think movie star. Um but you go back and watch his movies and it's like, oh no, he's a really good actor. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, he's he's giving a performance and mm. um I mean we were just talking about like Arnold Schwarzenegger who is a movie star yeah. more than an actor. Yeah. He's not necessarily a bad actor, but he's not like he couldn't play Hamlet. He, yeah, he's not like <laughs> he's not like yeah. drooling and crying and like yeah. bleeding his heart out. He's yeah, he's just a movie star. Yeah, action hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bruce Willis is also a movie star and an action hero, but he's also a good actor. And I think yeah. this is one of his, one of his best performances that I've seen. Wow. See, I kind of went a little bit the opposite way. I didn't think he was as good as I've seen him in other stuff compared Mm. to, and I think that's just in comparison to Brad Pitt. I think when he's on the screen, it's like a different game. He just kind of becomes a different person, which for a movie movie star as big as Brad Pitt is very very hard to do. And I know this is kind of early early year in his career, so he kind of has a bit more less baggage to bring with him whereas i feel like bruce is it's always bruce mm. and i think that and also it doesn't help that he's got the most boring bland name for a character that's ever been invented james cole <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. you know, it's ve- I mean, even Jeffrey Goins is like more memorable than James right. Cole. Yeah, which is just like okay, we, we something better could have <laughs> been dreamed up Come for up. that. Yeah. yeah, and I wonder if that's maybe some kind of influence from like Jeté. I wonder if that's you know, there's a character in there that's got a similar name and possibly they yeah. kept it. Um, but yeah, I didn't think Bruce was brilliant. Mm. I think that the scene that stood out to me, there's like a scene where they're driving in the car. Mm. It's that it's that whole thing where he's like they're driving um when they first get in the car and they're on their like road trip to yeah. wherever they're going. And he's like hearing the music. He's like all excited about the music. And I mean, the the conversation goes to a bunch of different places because he's like, you know, going crazy. Um, But I don't know. There's something about his performance in that that car scene Mm. where he, I think I just, it just seemed like the emotion was real. Yeah. Coming from him, you know. Um, No, really enjoyed it. What's your favorite? What do you think is his top like performance in your mind i mean performance is hard because you know it's what i mean my favorite role of his is obviously die hard the first one john mcclain Mm -hmm. um but that is part of his persona it's kind of like the put upon right you know hard man you know um i really there's a few that i've been surprised in i think sixth sense is a remarkable performance i think that's a very kind of understated and like emotional performance. Yeah. Which I don't see you like get too much of that normally. Um uh just try, I'm just trying to look through it and I think honestly Sixth Sense might be it. Might be the one that, you know, mm. I'm like, okay, that's probably for me his best. And I know that's very cliche and kind of Yeah. I mean Pulp Fiction again is great, but it's still you know, the put upon pers- hard persona. man. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of playing into that a little bit. Um, hmm. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, I'm not saying that like that's a bad thing because some. I mean, I love the Die Hard films, even two and three. I'm a big fan of you know the whole first three, especially. I think they're great. Um, and then you know, Twelve Monkeys is good. Looper is a really good film as well um he's had a really good career yeah but it all seems to be similar yeah i've never seen looper it's good yeah it's really good so what'd you think of brad pitt um i thought he was brilliant i think that he kind of steals the show with how how much he leans into the performance and just kind of lets i don't know how much of it was direction how much was him but like the little tweaks and kind of like movements and stuff were really interesting i feel like i was watching him every time he was on screen and then when he kind of disappears for the middle third you're like i want more brad pitt like where is he what's he doing you know where's he going what is he up to yeah exactly um yeah yeah. it's funny we went a different way with it because i mean i did like him but yeah you know after his first scene i was like i get it yeah, I mean he, he's good. He's an amazing actor. I'm not trying to say that you know he wasn't enjoyable because he was, um, mm-hmm. but 
I don't know, maybe just in retrospective of like Bruce Willis and, you know, the fact that we're not going to see him in this kind of role again. I was just yeah. more interested in like keep like continuing to watch Bruce. Yeah. Um and uh, you know, and Brad Pitt's character is I mean, that's just that's a role to die for, like, you know. It's just yeah, so, there's so yeah. much to do. It's so fun. Um, yeah, and he did an amazing job. And yeah, his eye thing is like, yeah, is on point. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, he yeah. just kind of transforms. I feel like this is a very big year. I mean, 995 was also the year of seven. So I think it's that kind of taking him and out of just being a good actor into like superstardom. Yeah. You know, Leading so, man. Yeah. I doubt that if. Seven had been, you know, this had been made any later that he would probably be in this role. Yeah. You know. True. Because, um, but it, I mean, he does everything he can to steal it. Yeah. Mm. And kind of does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. But it's hard not to, you know, for, with both of them, though. I mean, the, the blend of um, create, like, um, mentally unwell and mentally stable is blurred the whole way through yeah you're never quite sure if they're telling the truth or not and then the film and that's what i was alluding to earlier you know when you're watching it you're like well bruce isn't really helping himself here because he seems crazy yeah exactly. you know every yeah. interaction he seems crazy and i was like well that's not really helping. and then later on he's like i'm correct like no i'm crazy this doesn't none of this is real you're like, okay so it was all meant to be you know, we're meant to think that instead of it yeah, just exactly. being a weird performance. And then on the opposite side with Brad Pitt when he's in, you know, when Bruce is in bed and stuff and he's like, I've let them know my father's going to come and break me out, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, that sounds really crazy. And then it turns out that he did. <laughs> that was true. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's never really like who you is... You can't really trust. Yeah. The... Exactly. Yeah. Who is mentally unwell? We don't know. Yeah. Um, is anybody... Yeah, I... I think the scene that they kind of shine together in is is at the dinner party. Yeah. That whole sequence was really interesting to me where they're... Because Brad Pitt almost seems like normal. Mm-hmm. Well, the most normal he is in the whole movie, I guess, until yeah. you get to the climax of that scene where he, you know, goes off the wall again. Yeah. Um but yeah, their whole interaction throughout that scene going up the stairs and everything. Uh, I mean, I I felt like Bruce was like matching his crazy in yeah. his performance, you know, yeah. throughout that whole thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed watching them together. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think they're in anything else. Like, no, it's together a, like yeah. this. It's great when two careers kind of cross like this, especially where they are in their careers. You know, Bruce is obviously, I wouldn't say on the decline, but it's kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's like the biggest star in yeah. the world. Yeah. One of the biggest exactly. stars. And then yeah. Brad Pitt's on his way to take that mantle. You know? Yeah. I think we also have to give credit to uh, Madeline Stowe as well. I think that she, her performance is really, is really good. Yeah. She, um, I, I couldn't, she, Seemed so familiar to me. Yeah. But I had to look at her filmography and I couldn't figure out why. Cause I, I know. I was, yeah, I was looking through and I'm surprised that there's not more 
you know, big hitters in there. It seems yeah. to be kind of, you know, I don't know, like lesser known films starring bigger people. You know, obviously yeah. Last of the Mohicans um, is really popular. Um, but then the rest is kind of, you know, bits and bobs and other things. Yeah. So very strange. Yeah. But she was great. I mean, she was, she, yeah. Like yeah. her, her character was really fun to watch too because she's very straight in the beginning. And by yeah. the time you get to the end of the movie, she's like, she she's like tie this guy up and you know she's like yeah exactly he's a disguise like, and we're gonna yeah. go and get him yeah she's just on she just goes full tilt mm-hmm. by the end and yeah it's it's fun to watch it is fun that whole scene with them in the the bedroom and the the pimp comes in and stuff like that whole mm-hmm. thing was crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was really good in that scene yeah, she was. I like how um, just he just drags her to the most <laughs> um, like dangerous situations possible throughout the whole film. She's constantly being put in the way of danger, mm-hmm. um, and she's still like, "This is a man I can trust." Yeah, for real. <laughs> All I see are dead people. I yeah, I wrote that in my notes as well. Um, had to double check when Sixth Sense was released to see <laughs> yeah. if it was like a nod. But it's after, isn't it? It's nineteen ninety nine. So I, I after. for like I busted out laughing when he said that, and I was like, "Really? Yeah. Did they really just go there?" And then I was I like, know. "Wait a minute, what?" Yeah, what? Crazy. It's like such a weird thing, you know? Yeah. All I see because are dead people. It's it's said. It's I know it. It seems to be like a throwaway line, but it seems to hang for a second as if it's it is like an in joke. You know, like yeah. you know, on like a sitcom where they bring someone big in and they have like a a line like that, and it's like a break for the audience to go, "Oh, I see what yeah, you exactly. did there." It's the you way know? that it's cut too, because yeah. it just it, it there's an action scene going on, yeah, and then she's like, "You killed him," and then it cuts to Bruce and yeah. he says, "All I see are dead people," and wink, that's wink. the shot. Yeah, yeah, it's like a wink. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's very it's strange. so bizarre. Yeah, one of those weird. Um, situations in history where it just kind of works out like that, but wasn't necessarily meant to. It's probably just left for a bit of a laugh. And strange because this is a movie about time travel. Yeah. And here we are quoting movies that haven't been made yet, winking at the audience. Here's what's to come. Mm. Get ready for my best performance yet. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's very strange. It's so weird. Yeah. Oh dear, but yeah, it's one of those weird moments where it kind of got me sitting up again. I was like, what did he just say? <laughs> That's Haley Joel Osment's line. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did, I mean, this is kind of where it kind of t- tried to make sense. So the whole psychiatrist falling in love with the patient stuff, um, and then the Hitchcock festival that they go to, and they watch parts of Vertigo. There's a Hitchcock film called Spellbound with Ingrid Bergman where this pretty much happens. There's a a doctor that comes to a mental institution and she's like a doctor there. And he says he's like the new head physician. But then he kind of confesses that he's killed the head physician. He's just like an imposter taking his place. And it's kind of like, is he crazy? Did that actually happen? Is he the real person? You know, Hmm. 
and she kind of falls in love with him, you know, on the way of the story. And then when they went to the Hitchcock Festival, I was like, man, this is just, it's like that. That's kind of part of the story. Yeah. And it's like a big nod to it. Um, and it made a lot more sense. It was kind of, yeah, it just, it, it, it pulled it together. Like that side of the story. Cause all the way through, I was like, why, what is she doing? Like he yeah. is so unstable. Yeah. He's so like, who even is he? And she's just fo- blindly following him. But then that side made sense. It's like, do you know when we did Brian De Palma, we talked about him like heavily being influenced by Hitchcock and stuff. Yeah. I like that this was a bit more reserved and not so much, much wink, wink. Yeah. 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 Because it would have been one thing for them to have been watching Spellbound and you would have been like, oh, okay, oh, there it is. But it's still like unsaid. Well, they're, they're watch- they watch Vertigo, right? They do. Yeah. And... They watch Vertigo. And then um... she puts on a blonde wig and changes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like a red light shining on her and in vertigo it's green. Mm. So it's kind of, you know, slightly changed but a bit different. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of influences there, but I was like, yay. Vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I figured you would like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting cuz when uh when they start falling in love, the thing that I was thinking about was the fact that we watched RoboCop last week. Yeah. And RoboCop is such a, like, it, it subverts your expectations a lot, I think, in terms yeah. of, like, especially the, you know, there's no, like, romance story. Like, the mm-hmm. female character in that doesn't just fall in love with the main guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, And in this, I was just kind of like, wow, this feels very Hollywood. Especially for yeah. Terry Gilliam, who is so anti-Hollywood, I th- I feel like. Yeah. It doesn't and... need to... It doesn't... She just needs to believe him. She doesn't need to be in love with him for this to work. Yeah. But it does... And, you know, if you're trying to create... I think he, I think he was trying to create kind of a more classic Hollywood film. Yeah. From the... From La Jetée, uh which I, I think there is a love interest in that too. So maybe that's that's part of it. Is he's mm-hmm. trying to bridge the gap between uh, this, you know, what he's trying to do and and keeping true to the original as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that I mean the Hollywood stuff. Yeah, like the classic Hollywood stuff. I agree with until the end. The ending is very anti Hollywood. I mean, they don't succeed. You know, it's not a happy ending. Yeah. Uh, which is, it leaves you kind of like, well, it's inevitable. This is something that you can't really... There's a paradox going on. Yeah. You, you're not going to be able to to write this however many times you try. Yeah. It'll just be stuck in the same sequence of events Yeah, going forward, which compared to other films, especially, you know, lately we've had like all these multiverses and stuff that are breaking off. It's quite refreshing to see something that's like, no... Like there's, you know, this is the rule is <laughs> if you come like, it's inevitable. It's not, you can't really change it. Yeah. You know, you feel like Bruce Willis's character, um, it's just constantly stuck in this loop of like seeing himself die and then growing up and then being yep. the chosen one and then seeing himself die and, you know, um, constantly going through it. Yeah. The thing that I didn't, and maybe it's in there, but the thing that I didn't make a connection to was in the beginning um 
the psychiatrist character what's her name again um the madeline Stowe character catherine rayleigh yeah so in the beginning she's like when she first meets bruce willis she's like i've seen him before somewhere yeah. i don't yeah. know he seems so familiar but i'm like where where did she see him mm-hmm. yeah because and then because i thought it was going to be when he came back, I was like, okay, he's going to go back to like further in the past. Right, yeah. But he goes to the future. It goes to 96. Yeah. So, yeah, but maybe that's part of the... It's inevitable. Maybe, yeah. Like, in a different life, she's seen him. Yeah. And it's kind of like the constant ticking of time. Um, I do have one big <laughs> gripe with the ending. Um, okay. In just that they would never let that guy board that plane. Right. Yeah, I mean, if he's running through the airport with a man with a gun behind him, they would be like, "Okay, we need to ask you some questions as to yeah, what was going real. on." Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it just goes, and he's like, ah, "I made it." <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I mean, so it's pre nine eleven. It is. Yeah, uh, but so still, I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, it was a little. But I mean, that's uh, that's also classic Hollywood. There's like lots of stuff in there you just have to look past. For the benefit of the story, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean, the, I mean, if it, this was like a movie from 1950, you would be like, okay, yeah, oh, he's got on the plane, good, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, Christopher Plummer, Christopher Plummer, yeah, as Daddy Warbucks, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's amazing, he is I mean, good, bro, yeah. he's just like. Such a natural. Yeah. And he's only in it for like 10 minutes. I know. Yeah. But like his whole scene where he's like, better increase the security or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> and he like pats the guy on the shoulder. He's like, beef him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I just thought his lines were so great. Yeah. I really like David Morse as well, who plays the um, doctor who does get on the plane. Um, oh, yeah. He's. A really like everything he's in, I feel like he's he's good in it. He's he's a really good character actor. You know, I know he was in like Hurt Locker, yeah, um, and Disturbia, which is also very Hitchcockian, mm. where he plays like the next door neighbor, um, yeah, and obviously Green Mile. Um, but he's he's great. And when he showed up, I was like, cool, I like that guy. Um, nice to see some familiar faces kind of doing the jobs. Did you notice mm. one more familiar face from a film that we watched oh my God. like a month ago called so Batman? I did not. Who was that? I didn't notice until like um, a little bit later in the movie. Mm. Uh Frank Gorshin. Okay. Who plays the Riddler. The Riddler, yeah. Yeah. He's like one of the head doctors at the institution. Weird. He's the one where when they're like looking in the room when he disappears from like the prison cell and he's like looking in there and he does that thing with his lip where he's like... He's like trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Weird. I was like, wait a minute. That's the freaking Riddler, dude. Oh, man. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, he was gross. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and it wasn't even that scene that I noticed. It was like later on when he's... It was like way later. It was like one of the last mm-hmm. scenes that he's in when he's with um, the psychiatrist. I keep forgetting her name. And the Madeline Stowe character. Yeah, and uh, she's like, she's like, but how did this happen? And she's like trying to, you know, and he's yeah. like, he's like trying to rationalize the situation. There's something he did with his cigarette. He like gets a cigarette out and then, and yeah. then I recognized him. I was like, okay. Yes. Yeah. Riddler. Yeah. But it's like That's the last scene that he was in. It took the whole oh, movie. Man. It didn't even <laughs> click for me at all. So. Well, I've seen <laughs> Batman a lot more than you have. Think, yes. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just so it's just weird seeing him pop up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the, um, the kind of duality of like their in mental institutions, and they're trying to free animals from zoos. Mm. And then you know we get the animals taking over the world. It's kind of you know there's that saying, isn't it? The inmates are taking over the world, or the asylum. Uh yeah. So it's kind of like that was a very well written men- metaphor. I think it was. Uh, it was nice that that was in there. Yeah. Well, also just like it was. It's interesting because it was like the beginning of the movie is like a dystopian future. Yeah. Where they're like living underground in these yeah. little prison cells, mm-hmm. and then he goes to the past to 1995. And, and it's modern time. Yeah. You know, at the time this came out, this was just yeah. today. Mm-hmm. But he's in a mental institution. And yeah. it's the same. It's the same feeling. It almost feels like nothing changed. Yeah. And you're like, wait. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, it's maybe not so we, different. Yeah. Maybe it's not so different. Yeah. Maybe we got some issues to work out here. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the the world building around kind of the past and the present. Like I love the like the steam and the dripping pipes and like yeah. the you know it's very alien. And then even when mm. he's you know when she first comes in, he's kind of drooling in his cell. That is very alien too. It's like very you know futuristic and dystopian and grimy and horrible and not great. Um, yeah. And then the camera work seems to in the when they go to the mental hospital, the camera work changes. It does the kind of like the close-up kind of swing where it just goes from side to side all the time. Yeah. It's constantly in motion. You're always at kind of, like you said, like a Dutch angle. You're always moving at some point and not quite straight on. And then when it's just um, Bruce Willis and Madeline Stowe in like cars and stuff, it's very stable and kind of natural angles. Mm. It makes you feel very disoriented when you're in that position. That's interesting, yeah. Cool. And plus, it feels like a like it does feel like a mental institution that we've seen before. It feels very one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, you know the room and the TV and all the patients kind of just sitting there. You know, yeah. Um, there's a really great film called Shock Corridor, um, uh-huh. which takes place in a mental institution, which I recommend people um, kind of uh, check out. It's got similar themes to this. There's a reporter that 
gets admitted to a mental institution to kind of um, write an article, I guess, do some research and like interview the people. Um, I think some of it is based on like real testimonies because there's yeah. a lot of people kind of giving their story. Um, but yeah, that is um, really interesting. It's by Samuel Fuller from 1963. Okay. Um, very interesting. And that's what kind of the mental, the mental institution scenes made me think of most was this film. Nice. It's on the Criterion channel at the moment. So if you've got it, you can watch it. Do it. Yeah, I don't have it right now, but I'll yeah. add it to the list. Yeah. And the obsession with old cartoons. I feel like every time there's a TV on, it was like an old cartoon playing. Hmm. Especially I didn't really like notice that stuff. Yeah. Um, again, might be reading too much into it. I'm not really sure, but I do wonder if because all the cartoons there are about like animals, anamorphic type people, whether it's kind of just preempting the animals taking over the world. Yeah, because it's all the classic kind of Looney Tunes stuff. Yeah, well, I thought it was. I thought that like the monkeys were going to have a disease that like yeah. Got yeah, you, and... yeah, but it's not that at all. No. Did they say why they were doing it? I might have missed it. I'm not sure if it. Um, there was just like a throwaway line where she was like, when when they're in the airport and she's yeah. like, "This guy has," I forget what she said. She's like, "He's," I don't know, obsessed yeah. with ending the world or something. She said yeah. something. Along mm. those lines, Weird. And yeah. It's like, I do like that. I do like that it wasn't Brad Pitt. I mean, because again, it makes you question, our, um, you know, our view of people with uh, mental health issues. Just like all the way through, you're like, oh, it's going to be him that's doing it. He's in charge. He's going to do it. But it's not. Yeah, his is more environmental and more friendly. Yeah, you know, it's his dad. Daddy war books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, there's a lot to unpack with this movie. Which I was surprised at because I feel like with not to I mean, I feel like when I went in, I was expecting a kind of trippy run of the mill contagion story. And yeah. it wasn't that at all. No. You know, there's a lot in there that's social commentary for today and you know, questioning what we our own beliefs and stuff, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, I like a film that makes me think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think more, more to come on future watches. Definitely. Yeah, there's more in there to unpack. So, what's your next uh, Terry Gilliam film? You're gonna it's going to be Time Bandits for yeah. sure. Um, I did buy it, so it is on my list. I do. After talking about it, I do want to try Fear and Loathing again. Yeah, um, you know, but all of them really. I mean, there's. I haven't seen Monty Python, and as an Englishman, that's wow. A crime. Yeah, Bruh. so don't say it too loud because there's I might get people arrested. screaming at you right I now. I know it's crazy. So that is going to be also on my to watch list. Yeah, uh, Aaron, my brother-in-law sent me a text uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he was listening to one of our episodes, and he was like, "Lewis hasn't seen the Matrix." <laughs> I know I've got some huge gaps in my 
filmography. <laughs> we all do. Yeah. That's part of Film Church now. Yeah. That's, that's why off. we're here. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's definitely screaming at you right now because <laughs> Life of Brian is like one of his yeah. Sorry, favorite dude. movies ever. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we got we got to do a maybe we should do a Monty Python maybe yeah that would be fun like do all of them yeah that'd be good all right do you want to uh, guess what we rated Twelve Monkeys on later boxed later boxed later <laughs> um, how many monkeys out of twelve <laughs> oh god I'm gonna have to do the maths um, <laughs> I think. Um, you rated it 10 monkeys out of 12, which equates to 4 out of 5. Mm. I think that you rated it math. Um, <laughs> eight, nine monkeys out of 12, which is 3.5, I think. Mm. I rated it four out of five. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, same. Cool. Okay, great. Four out of five is kind of my default when I'm like, this was a really good movie. Um, yeah. I'm not going to rush to go back and watch it, but I mm -hmm. will watch it again, and I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, four kind of is that magic round of there was a lot in here for me to unpack. I don't think it all made sense yet, but I had a blast watching it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, really good movie. Good. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of the maybe I have to rethink my scoring a bit. I seem to go four a lot. Oh well, I like. I mean, four. there's a lot of fours out there. There are a lot what of fours can you out do? there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool, dude. So, cool. what's uh, what's up with next week? What are we doing? Yeah, well, you know what next week is, Brandon. What? It's October the 1st, which means things are going to get a little spooky around the Film Church Radio broadcast tower for the next five episodes. Um, we're going to return to our Darnish Horror Month. Um, Ooh. Yeah, for the whole month of October, culminating in a very special 100th episode. Yes. Um, more details on that soon. Um so I have decided to pick a film that I have been obsessed with seeing for most of this year. Um, I believe last year was its 30th anniversary. I'm blinking heavily. Okay. 20, 30, yes. So last year was its 30th anniversary. Um, and since then, I've been like, I need to see this movie. It looks like something that I would absolutely love. Um, so next week, we're going to be watching Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992. <gasps> Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And I know you love Coppola. So yes. We're going to have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. Kicking off the month in style. And Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. And Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves and Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> and Richard E. Grant. <laughs> we're going to have a good time. Yes. Um, sweet. Well, yeah. get ready for that, everybody. It's horror time. Oh, um, baby. 
But that does bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio, or you can follow us on individually on Letterboxd. I am at Selman Scope, and Lewis is at Walker Lewis three zero zero seven. And there you can keep up with what we've been watching on a daily basis. Um, we also have all of our back episodes streaming on Barbie's Back, <laughs> and please leave us a rating and review. Uh. Let us know if you liked the film. And if you didn't, let us know what we should watch instead. Uh, Thank you for being here. We hope to see you next Sunday for more Film Church Radio. The only thing left to say is... I'm here about some monkeys. Monkeys? Monkeys, yes. Twelve of them. See you next week, folks. Amen. Amen. Ah, <laughs>